Hello and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily Boston Bruins podcast where we will discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. To keep up with the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, please follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Boston Bruins. And you can also find me at Ian C. McLaren. Subscribe to Locked On Bruins on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher, or wherever else you listen. And while you're doing that, please also rate and review. On today's show, we're going to take a look at Boston's game Tuesday against the Vegas Golden Knights. We're going to actually be teeing that up with uh, Danny Webster. He is the host of the uh, Locked On Vegas Golden Knights podcast. He covers the the Golden Knights for NHL.com. And he's also the manager of the Knights uh, SB Nation page, uh, Knights on Ice. So if anyone knows the Golden Knights, it's uh, it's Danny. And uh, it was fun to chat with him. And you'll hear that uh, coming up here in a, in a little bit. Um, as we do also every day, we'll take a look around the NHL. And uh, yeah, just to tee things up, let's talk about the Bruins through two games. And uh, Bruce Cassidy... Had some interesting things to say. Uh, the Bruins are obviously 2-0, and but uh, there is some concern over the state of the offense. The Bruins have only scored two goals, oh, sorry, three goals in those two games. And uh, Cassidy, on Monday after practice, he, he said he wouldn't say he's, he's frustrated, but he said, I don't think we're playing the way we need to right now to score, not generating enough. Uh, we're not playing off an original shot. We're trying to make plays through sticks that maybe aren't there. It's a lot to do with how you play in August. It's not really live. You're trying to make that nice play instead of maybe a play that will generate a loose puck situation and off you go. Um, Cassidy, he pointed to Brad Marchand's goal in the Bruins 1-0 victory over Arizona as a good example of how he, he wants to see the team play. Uh, as he explained it and as you... We'll know if you watch the game or you saw the replay. Uh, came down the wing, shot it. We got them before they were set in their coverage. Got the puck to the slot, and it found its way in. Those are the types of goals right now that our whole group needs to think about scoring. We talked about it today. Whether it kicks in today or the next day, I don't know. I hope it's against Vegas because we are capable of more. Um, I think that's kind of a no-brainer. Obviously, the Bruins are capable of scoring more than uh, an average of 1.5 goals per game. Uh, Rask, who made 28 saves in the the win over Dallas in the opener, and Halak, who made 35 saves for a shutout against Arizona. They really kept the team in. Uh, you know, the offense really needs to uh, to get going in order to kind of ease the the pressure off the goalies early on here. It looks like David Backus might might be back in. Par Lindholm stayed on the fourth line when David Krejci came back, and with Brett Ritchie uh, having scored in the first game. Uh, he he got the opportunity to to stick at it with it in game two, but um, Cassidy said Backus did play well the first game, um, and that uh, they wanted Lindholm in there because he covers at center. Um, but uh, you know, he said David Backus probably draws back in just to have a bigger lineup, uh, and you know who comes out remains to be seen, but. Um, Backus was kind of rotating with Par Lindholm on the fourth line with Wagner and Corrali. So it looks like it'll be uh, Marchand, 
Bergeron, Pasternak, DeBrusque, Krejci, Kuhlman, Heinen, Coyle, Ritchie. That's kind of been uh, what we might foresee as the top top nine for the foreseeable future. And then, uh, again, Wagner, Corrali, Lindholm, Bacchus, uh, three of those four coming in uh, to play forward uh, on the fourth line. So that's where things stand after practice Monday for the Bruins in Vegas. Uh, like I said, coming up uh, in a few minutes here, we're going to talk to Danny Webster. Again, he's the host of the Locked On Vegas Golden Knights podcast, uh, and he writes for the Knights uh, for NHL.com and also uh, for Knights on Ice. So uh, it'll be great to chat with him and to get uh, kind of a perspective on how Vegas has started. They're 2-0 so far. They have beaten the rival San Jose Sharks in both those games. And uh, as you hear me say in my conversation with Danny, I'm very high on the Knights this season. I believe they can, and I predicted them to win the Stanley Cup. So it'll be a great test for the Bruins early on here. Remember, Vegas was uh, eliminated in crazy circumstances last uh, spring at the hands of the San Jose Sharks. And uh, who knows if if things had gone differently, this could have been... uh, the Stanley Cup final from last year. I really believe this is a very strong team and that they will uh, contend this year in what uh, seems to be a bit of a weaker Pacific division maybe than we expected. The Sharks don't really seem to be uh, world beaters uh, as they adjust to life without uh, Joe Pavelski. Um, Calgary Flames, yeah, they're still really good. And uh, the rest, you know, I don't really, I don't think they have what it takes to come out of that division so uh, I really think that Vegas is the class of that division, and it will be a good uh, early test for the Bruins after playing Dallas and then Arizona. And, uh, you know, if if the offensive struggles continue in Game 3 here tomorrow night, uh, maybe a bit cause for concern, but um, until they come home and get comfortable playing within the, the friendly confines of TD Garden, it's kind of hard to judge uh, this Bruins team uh, quite yet uh, with these different circumstances of them beginning the season with this uh, road trip out west. Um, they'll come home, uh, get more comfortable uh, as a group uh, on home ice, uh, start to face some more familiar opponents, and I think we'll get a better uh, take on what this team uh, is uh, in, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, like Coach Cassidy said, they just need to simplify things, uh, get pucks on net. Don't try to make the the pretty play, even though we all know they're capable of of doing that. But just uh, yeah, try to generate some offense in more simple ways. Before we move forward, let me just talk to you for a minute about Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is an online ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, Locked On podcast listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person, earning credit back on all purchases made through the Vivid Seats app via the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. You can find seats to any of your favorite live events, including sports, concerts, theater, and more, all through the Vivid Seats app. Uh, They offer great prices an easy purchasing experience, and like I said, a a loyalty program called Vivid Seeds Rewards. 
With reward statuses ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer, you can earn from 10 to 16% credit on all your purchases uh, through the Vivid Seats app. So go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app today. You're automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, and you'll enjoy uh, credits and all your purchases as, as part of that program. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by a 100% guarantee. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That's Vivid Seats. Go to the App Store or Google Play, download the app today, and you're automatically enro- enrolled in the Vivid Seats loyalty program. Hey, how's it going, Danny? Good. How you doing, Ian? I'm doing pretty well. Uh, it's yeah, nice to connect. We're both uh, in the beginning stages of recording our podcast. Me locked on Boston Bruins. You're locked on uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, how are how are you finding it so far? You know what? Not too bad. Uh, so far, nothing's really crashed and burned. And my mantra has always <laughs> been: if nothing crashes and burns, then you're doing something right. So I, I think so far, I think we're surviving pretty well. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. It's been fun so far for sure. It's uh, it's been weird for me because the Bruins are on this uh, West Coast road trip to begin the season. So right. I wish the games weren't on uh, as late. I I honestly don't know how much I'll actually get to watch of the the Vegas game because it does start at 10 o'clock local time and got to get up next morning with uh, my kids to get them to school and work and stuff like that. But uh, hopefully try to watch as much as I can because Vegas is uh, actually Vegas. I had, I had picked them to win the cup this year, actually. <laughs> All right. Funnily then. enough. Yeah, I, I did. I do some, some side hockey writing for uh, this site called daily hive up here and, I picked them over Carolina actually in the final. So okay. uh, both undefeated so far. So I'm not looking like a, a complete moron just yet. Two down, 80 to go. You got time. Yep. What's uh, yeah. What's, what's the vibe down there in Vegas? Obviously there's, it's always uh, quite an atmosphere and people are excited, but are people thinking uh, deep run for this team and winning the, winning the Pacific and all that? I I think there's a general sense in this city that they expect this team to make a deep run. I think when they made the the trade for Stone, that was the very first sign of okay, they're going all in. And mm-hmm. and and even when they traded for Pacioretty, I don't think that was a big enough move to kind of move the needle. When they signed Stasny a couple months prior, I don't even think that that was the move. When they decided to trade the second of their third draft triplets to Ottawa to say, okay, we're going to get this guy, sign him for a long-term contract, and then go all in and see what we can do. I think that was the sign of, okay, then that's that's the moment where you need to expect this team to either make a deep run or win the cup in the next two to three years. And you look at the way that this team is constructed, you get a full season of Stone and Pacioretty together. So, I mm. mean, supposedly Stasny, but right now it's Cody Glass because of the injuries to the to the rest of the bottom six. But you got that line. You have the Carlson line that continues to be uh, a dynamic force whenever. And you got Carlson and Smith teaming up on the most absurd penalty kill this side of the Mississippi right now. So <laughs> there's that going. Yeah. And then the, 
the the only question that this team really has is on the blue line and if they have enough depth on the blue line to kind of right. offset the loss of uh Colin Miller and throwing in one of the young guys whether it be uh whether it be Nick Hague or Jimmy Schultz I think that's the big question but yeah I think it's fair to say that I'm I'm not sure I would label it cup or bust yet this year because I mean mm-hmm. we're talking a 30-year franchise for right, for yeah. cup or bust is ridiculous but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility to say that it would be a little bit of a disappointment if they didn't at least reach the conference final and get a chance to right. play in the big dance. I had kind of thought they might, after the stone trade, I had kind of thought they might be the the front runner to to sign Eric Carlson if he didn't stick with San Jose. Was there ever any sense that that was a possibility or a hope or at least or? I don't. I don't think necessarily signing him. I think just the way that the cap was structured for Vegas, right. it was going to be pretty much impossible. Their their best chance that they had for Eric Carlson was going back two deadlines ago when they ended right. up going with a Tomas Tatar, right. and the they really, from what I remember, they were really close. Uh, they were really close to striking a deal. And at the last minute, Ottawa tried to uh, say, "Hey, can you throw Cody Glass into the deal?" Oh, right. and was that, that when was... They, were they were they trying to also get uh, Bobby Ryan thrown in there as well? Was that I part of it? Get, yeah, I think they were trying to get yeah. Ryan as well, just to take the contract off the books. Right. Um, but Vegas was really close. They were like, "Okay, we'll take back Ryan. We'll take Carlson." And then the plan was to eventually get Carlson locked up to a long term deal. Right. But then the stickling point was, hey, will you throw in Cody Glass into the deal? And then that was a <laughs> yeah. very emphatic no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's where they are. And somehow, through all the smoke and rubble, Cody Glass is the last of the three remaining from the first draft class right. in the first yeah. round. And now he's centering a line with the two big acquisitions that Vegas would make in the following year. So yeah, right. everything's funny. come full circle. <laughs> Yeah, going back to the Pacioretty trade, I mean, um, I I live in the town that uh, Nick Suzuki ended up playing for last year, and they, he won a OHL championship here in Guelph last year. So I got to watch him quite a bit, and now obviously he's with the Canadians. But, uh, yeah, just thinking about that Pacioretty trade and and dealing Suzuki at that point in, in Vegas's kind of – franchise trajectory i don't you can't really yeah overlook that the magnitude of that trade because no, absolutely. suzuki he's such a he's such a skilled player he's he's already in the nhl and that was yeah it, it seemed like he was going to be a big part of their future and to to give it up for Pacioretty, who he didn't have really a stellar first season but he looks like he's kind of back to his scoring form that he that he showed with the canadians so if if he can continue that um then at least yeah in the in the short term it it uh might seem like a a better deal than it would have if Suzuki was in the NHL Pacioretty's you know constantly hurt or not scoring but at least for for this season if he can keep it going it looks like uh a worthwhile uh I don't know if gamble's the right word but a worthwhile trade to to bring a guy like Pacioretty into the mix yeah, you can. De- I think it's fair to call it a gamble. I mean, you're bringing yeah. in a guy from in his last season in Montreal when he got hurt and uh, didn't have the out the output that 
Vegas was really hoping for when they got him because that was really the first sign of like, okay, this is the guy to get us over the hump. If we made it to the cup final, Patch Reddy at the time was viewed as the guy who would actually right. get them there and get them to, you know, win the whole kit and caboodle. Um, but no, I, I, I think he looks, he looks much faster this year. He's skating a lot better. Uh, his conditioning, his training in the off season is kind of back to a normal regimen because when he got traded, he had to kind of throw his old routine out of whack. So it really was uh, really kind of a, uh, a really tough transition period for him. But I think now that, you know, he's got a full off season under his belt, full conditioning, and now he's been with Vegas for a full summer. I, I think he just looks ready to go and is probably primed for probably one of his best all around seasons he's ever had. It's funny to look back because I think about that uh, game seven against San Jose last year. And if, if things had gone differently, how I don't think it's uh, unreasonable to, to think that Vegas could have easily, not easily, but they could have come out of the West and it, we could have seen a, a Bruins golden Knights uh, final. And it looks like yeah. Vegas kind of took care of San Jose in the first couple of games here to start the season. And I, in my mind, they're they're at least the class of the the Pacific Division. And it looks like the other teams, Calgary, maybe take a step back. San Jose is not what they were, you know, without Pavelski. Um, so, I, in my mind, I don't really see anyone else stepping up to really challenge Vegas to come out of that division at the very least. Yeah, it's um, it's hard to say right now, just because San yeah, Jose it's so far away. Yeah. Yeah, and but but San Jose, I had a feeling that they were going to regress, just because, mm-hmm. like you said, you lose Pavelski, you lose Donskoy, you lose Nyquist, you you lose a whole, um, you lose you lose a whole piece of really your bottom six. Yeah, and you lose all of that depth, coupled in with the fact that now you're investing your entire future on what is to come of your defensive triad that you've invested almost $40 million in. All right. And then top that off with the goaltending, which is the biggest question mark that San Jose will continue to have for as long as Martin Jones is in there. So, yeah, I mean, Edmonton probably won't sustain this. Anaheim and LA are question marks. Calgary's goaltending is going to be the big question. Um, And then Vancouver is still a little – uh, ways away as well so yeah and and arizona is probably another dark horse that we're that yeah, not a lot yeah, of people yeah. talking about so true right now yeah. i agree vegas is far and away the best team in the division is there um is there any chance that uh malcolm suban will play tomorrow night or the bruins won't be facing, facing <laughs> i don't they're old uh <laughs> i i don't think i don't think it'll happen but i will say the last time malcolm suban got a start at t-mobile arena against the bruins it was his first nhl win Right. So, yep. so yeah, if they, so that. if they do, if they do feel any, uh, you know, kind of mojo ish type of deal, <laughs> they might want to throw them in there. But I think, uh, I think it's safe to say Flurry gets to start tomorrow. If they want to get Subban because they're playing every other day the rest of this week, I think Subban would play Thursday at Arizona, and right. then you get Flurry rested for uh, Saturday against Calgary back at home. Uh, but I, I think. Uh, it, it'd be kind of a shocking surprise to see Subban go in against Boston. I don't know if it, even if it's this early in the season, I don't know if Vegas is ready to kind of throw him into the fire for that, but right. uh, we'll wait and see. But I, I do expect Flurry in tomorrow. I'm actually interested to see who Boston is going to roll with because um, obviously with Rask and Halak, they kind of have the 
a 1A, 1B situation and uh, Rask started the season opener and, and they were able to beat Dallas. And then Halak came back with a 35 save shutout against, uh, against Arizona on Saturday. So I'm kind of curious to see if it's, if Bruce Cassidy is kind of going to stick to a, a platoon situation, if they'll go with the, you know, proverbial hot hand or whatever, but um I mean, the Bruins have only allowed one goal in the, in those two games that they've played so far. So I don't think there's a – if it's just going to the platoon situation, I, I would think Rask will be back. But uh, they might reward Hoak for that shutout and give him another start. But um, I'm not quite sure exactly where they're leaning at this point. But it'll be interesting to see how they begin to, to split those starts and if uh, Hoak will get in there after – after getting a shutout the other night. Is that just by design by way of the road trip right now that they just want to I, kind of split it up and then I eventually think so. home, they go back to Rask full time? Yeah. I mean, I honestly think that they're last year, it was more of a split due to circumstance with um, Rask was on the shelf for a little bit. So Halak stepped in and he did really well, but then uh, we all saw how well Rask uh, played in the postseason. If, if the Bruins had won Game Seven, I, uh, I don't have any doubts that he he would have won the Conn Smythe. Um, so I think they're going to do it more by design this year, where they will um, give Halak pretty regular starts. Um, I would imagine for this trip they might go uh, two and two, um, with or they might just see because the, the Bruins are playing Colorado after after they're done in, in Vegas. So they might uh, give Rask both games just to see, you know, where he's at at this stage in the season. Um, but I really think it'll be more of a, if not like 41 starts each, then that maybe like 45, 50 starts for, for Rask and then the rest for Halak. But I, th- I do think it'll be in an intentional kind of uh, more of an even split just to keep them both fresh and to, uh, yeah, keep keep Rask uh, more ready for the playoffs for when they matter most. I always think about, you know, with the Bruins and the Leafs having played in the last couple of years and seeing last year, especially how rested Rask was compared to Frederick Anderson and the Leafs kind of rolling a fringe NHL, AHL guy as their backup and, and really riding Anderson super hard throughout the regular season. Um, I really think the Bruins have a, a luxury there in having a lack who, who would be a starter on, on many other teams to be able to, to fall back on him and, and give Rask the night off every now and then. Uh, not because he's struggling, but just because they can and not really uh, take a step, that much of a step back at all, even in the quality of goaltending that they get. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if it is Rask that goes tomorrow night, but um, if they did choose to, to roll with Halak, um, it wouldn't be uh, aside from what maybe Boston media might roll with a goalie controversy early in the season, but I don't think that's the case. It would just be more of a, you know, Halak's, he's a great goalie. He, he got a shutout, might as well go back to him there's not really much of a drop off there yeah gotcha and I mean that's really one of the biggest issues I think that would face Vegas because they've they rode flurry for most of 
uh, last year. And Subban right. really did. Subban really didn't even see any second end of the back to backs. It was mostly just Flurry taking the load, and some of them were home back to backs. So it kind of made sense that you would yeah. get like the early start one day, late start the next night, and you kind of work off from that. But then you saw Flurry take the last month off from March, and you have to wonder. Well, did he have enough time to prepare? Did he have enough, you know, was it more rust or rest? I right. mean, for the three wins that Vegas had against San Jose in the playoffs, that looked to be the case. That like he looked fine. And then, mm-hmm. you know, pucks bounced the way that they did. And I don't necessarily think it was the goaltending that doomed Vegas in the first round. I think, you know, Flurry's a different kind of animal when it comes to goaltending. If he wants to start right. 55, 60 games, he fully has the capability, even at coming up on 35 next year or this month or yeah, November. Um, I, I think that he's more than capable of kind of handling that load, but I also don't think it's, you know, a hindrance on Malcolm Subban, which is, um, which a lot of people would think if Subban's performance is the reason why he's not playing a lot, it, I think it's just flurry just feels like he has something to prove and it, you know, going on 35, he probably wants to play as much as he can to show that he's still got it. So definitely a, an interesting, um, Definitely an interesting situation as far as that goes. Yeah. Uh, with that. But I, I'm curious to know your thoughts on how Boston will match up its top line tomorrow because I kind of touched on it today um, in pod that just went live. Um, I think this would be a perfect opportunity to get uh, the stone patcheretti glass line to start just because you want to that's probably going to be your one line that will offset anything that the Bergeron line does. Right. And I'm wondering if you think uh, how you think that potential matchup would look and if this would be kind of a wide-eyed moment for Cody Glass, if that were to be the case. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, just because of, you know, he's, he's new to the league and kind of figuring things out along with two way more established guys. I think um I th- I think the Bruins would be okay with that if even if Stone and Pacioretty can kind of neutralize uh Pasternak and Marchand and the wings, I think uh the Bruins would have no problem sending uh Bergeron out there against Glass and, and thinking that they'll um come out on top of that matchup. Bergeron is the thing with the top line is they haven't really um been all that impressive in the first couple of games. Bergeron was dealing with an injury in uh, training camp and um, the first power play unit especially has, has really looked out of sorts. And um, it's actually been, and actually David Krejci missed the first game of the season. He was kind of easing things back the second game. So it's actually been um, Charlie Coyle and Danton Heinen have kind of been the more impressive uh, duo early on they've been playing uh, with with Brett Ritchie who he scored in the in the debut but didn't look as great um, in the second game against Arizona so um, it'll be interesting to see yeah if if glass uh, that line is up against the Bergeron line whether or not they can establish themselves and um, kind of return to form as that top line and then seeing whether uh, the Carlson line on the Vegas end, they're matched up with Krejci and DeBrusque, and if Coyle and Heinen can continue to kind of exploit those 
those bottom six matchups, um, that will really uh, kind of be a test of, of the Bruins depth. Again, Stone, I think he's, he's really getting a lot more credit these days as uh, a two-way winger who, who should be in that Selkie conversation year in and year out. So um, if, if there's any deficiencies defensively for Glass, then, then Stone especially can maybe make up for that. I don't think Boston will be too worried about, about the matchups. Whoever uh, Vegas throws out there, uh, all three lines right now have the potential to score, which is not something that was could be said early on last year. Um, so um, it's just a matter of of actually getting going. Like I said, they've only scored three goals so far in the in the two games early on. I, I don't think uh, Boston will worry too 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 much about Bergeron having to to go out there against a, a rookie like Glass. Thanks again to Danny Webster for taking some time to chat about uh, tonight's Bruins Golden Knights game. If you're a fan of Vegas uh, hockey, be sure to check out his podcast, Locked On uh, Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, And as we do every day on the show, uh, we'll just take a quick look around uh, the NHL and see see what's going on. Um, Yesterday, on Monday, the NHL announced its first three stars of the week. And that was uh, New York Rangers center Mika Zibanejad, Detroit Red Wings forward Anthony Mantha, and Toronto Maple Leaf center Austin Matthews. We kind of mentioned those three guys yesterday as uh, the leading scorers in the NHL, so uh, not really too much of a surprise there. I believe Matthews was held off the score sheet in a 3-2 loss to the St. Louis Blues on Monday. Uh, You hate to see that. Um, Not really you do because... You know, if I had my way, neither of those teams would win. But, hey, somebody has to in today's NHL. Um, also, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins center Evgeny Malkin apparently will be uh, sidelined longer term due to a lower body injury. I think I saw uh, Darren Dreger from TSN. He tweeted out something that it was a soft tissue issue in his leg and that he may be Malkin will only miss a month or so, which uh, is, is good news for the, the Penguins. I, I'm not convinced that they're going to make the playoffs this year. And if they were to lose him for any length of time, that would be uh, obviously devastating for them, but no, maybe not devastating, but would not be good, obviously. Um, and then the New York Rangers also traded forward Vladislav Nemesnikov to the Ottawa Senators for minor league defensive Nick Ebert in a 2021 fourth round pick. Uh, kind of an odd move for the Senators to add salary. I think uh, Nemestikov makes around $3 million. Uh, the Rangers are retaining 750000 of that, but still it's odd for the Senators to not only take on that salary by adding uh, a more established player, but also kind of bumping some of their prospects down the depth chart and not giving them uh, opportunities uh, this season pending uh, another move coming up. Uh, so, yeah, the Senators add some experience in the Mesnikov, but uh, it's still unclear as to what they're going to do with him long-term. Maybe they'll flip him at the deadline for a higher pick, uh, which would be smart if he's able to, to show that he has something to offer contending teams, uh, but we'll see what's going on there. Um, elsewhere, Dustin Bufflin still undecided on his future. 
with the Winnipeg Jets, who are certainly struggling without him. They could really use that boost on the uh, on the blue line. And uh, what else? Yeah, Nemesnikov. Um, again, with Ottawa, it's possible that they'll flip uh, flip somebody or uh, trade somebody else uh, in the light of that acquisition. So that's pretty much all that's going on around the NHL. Like I mentioned, the, the St. Louis Blues took care of the, the Leafs last night and uh, Columbus beat Buffalo. So I believe uh, Buffalo and Toronto are now tied atop the Atlantic Division. And that's because Buffalo did earn a point. It was an overtime loss. So yes, Buffalo, they actually sit in first by nature of the fact that they've only played three games. They're 2-0-1. And and, uh, they also have a plus six goal differential, which is tops in the uh, Eastern Conference. And one back of Vegas, who is a plus seven, and who Boston will be playing tonight. So that's it for today's Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Again, thanks to Danny Webster for for joining me. Please follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. Uh, Follow me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. Uh, You can subscribe to Locked On Boston Bruins at uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you find your podcasts. Uh, We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, There's more uh, NHL podcasts rolling out every day, and there will soon be a NHL show, which uh, there will be details about coming on later, later this week. So again, I'm Ian McLaren. Thanks for joining me on today's Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Talk to you tomorrow, and take care, friends.